also drives me crazy. It does. Yeah. I'm excited. This is going to be a good show. Why? Because there's no Fendrick. The babysitter <laughs> isn't here. Episode 140. I'm just going to tell everyone right away. Unfortunately, there's also no Big Phil. No Big Phil. You guys lost a friend. Yep. Pinky. Paul Star. Guy that uh, for a long time has managed the Sims family money, done our taxes, yeah, died out of nowhere. Yes. So condolences to his family. Big yep. Phil can't make it. Uh, but coming up uh, next week, I'm going to be quizzing Big Phil on pop culture as he quizzes me on football. And then in two weeks, I am so excited about this. Old fans of Sims and Lefko, we love you so much. At Bleacher Report, they made us do a thing called a disc assessment, which is when they see what kind of a personality you are at work, how you should work, what you can improve upon, and it was freakishly accurate. I have gone above and beyond. I have spoken with HR. They are going to get you this assessment. Cool. I'm going to have you take it. I'm not going to show you the results. Right. And we are going to have the instructor who came in and worked with us. Yeah. I think he's going to come in and he's going to reveal what your personality is and then how I should work with you in the future. Okay. I am to get a personality test for you, Chris Sims. Boy, am I a big I'm sure they're out there. I, I tried when I was in New England. I was always trying to find out what my results were for my psychological test. Oh, for the one that you did. Or how they graded me when I was coming out in the draft. Let let me see the paper. But they were very uh, I saw one or two grades, but they were people who graded me favorably, so they were willing to show me. <laughs> who were they? Uh, actually, one of them. Uh, I don't think I could tell you that. Actually, I don't want to get. What? Them tr- I don't want to get them in trouble. I might get them in trouble with New England if they go. What? What? Are, you're not supposed to show him that. You are literally not afraid of anything. Yep. Unless they work at the Patriots. Well, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to ruin their lives. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. guy's life. Yeah. It's not me that I'm afraid of. Turn it to the right. Turn it to the right. I know. I've been doing away that. from you. But no, it won't now, stay. now you're turning it to you. I know, but I'm trying to. I've done it. Yeah, hard as you can. I understand righty is tidy and lefty is Lucy. Do you? But it's still not staying up. I've done this three times. All right. All right. Shut your mouth. Uh, let us go. What we are going to focus on today is we're going to go through our normal stuff. We have a lot of fan stuff. And uh, because we have an extra 10, 15 minutes no fill, yeah. I figured let's get a lot of fan in here. Get his big blowhard ass out of here, Because uh, you guys have been amazing. Uh, what you've been sending us on the Instagram account, and thank you if you're not following it, please do. At Sims and Lefko has been great. Um, and we're just going to embrace you guys 40s who do you got number oh, 40 gosh i love that you always forget i never think about this because i'm more worried about watching film and hey, doing I'm real not, stuff i'm not saying it's bad the mccain guy on the chargers chris mccain defense yep. event gail sayers greatest forty of all time good one uh man what are some other 40s there was a really good safety back in the day on the redskins that i can't remember okay but uh oof I guess that's it. I'm I'm priced out at 40. All right. Well, first, uh, let's get to Brandon Devert. Or excuse me, Brandon Devera, linebacker on Rutgers right now. <laughs> we're at number 40. Fendrick's not here, but I'll hold the ball. Way to make float. him proud. And he went to Wayne Hills High School, New Jersey, and so did Greg Olson. <laughs> yes, he the did. The tight end for the uh, Carolina Panthers. I interviewed him on Tuesday, and that interview will be happening at the end of today's episode. So stay tuned for that. We talked about a number of things. And uh, we're going to be playing a, a few clips from him in the middle of the show because he 
he's broadcasting for Fox for the Minnesota Rams game, right. and you don't think he should be doing this. I so don't. I'm going to play some clips. Yeah. We'll get to that in a yeah. second. Uh, 40s on offense. They're all fullbacks. Derek Coleman for the Falcons. Yeah. Alex Arma for the Panthers. Dan Vitale for the Browns. And Tommy Bohannon for the Jaguars. Man. Other defenders, it's not a great number. Yeah. Uh, Vallejo for the Bills linebacker. Kentrell Brothers linebacker for the Vikings. Yep. Marcus Williams corner for the Texans. Anton Exum corner for the Niners. Delvin Burrow, he's not playing right now, yep. but corner for the Saints. And Jared Davis oh, linebacker for the, the Lions. That's the best 40 of the group He's right really there. good. Yeah. Now, all-time fullbacks. Yep. John Ritchie, Fred Beasley played for the Niners. You're right. Jim Kleinsaucer. Damn, I can't believe I forgot. Always had a weird face in Madden. And Mike Allstott. Yeah, holy crap. Dude, I'm embarrassed. How'd you mess up? I'm on embarrassed. Allstott? My man, Mike Allstott. Damn. White running backs. Peyton Hillis. Brian Leonard. Holy shit, I played with Peyton Hillis. That's another but he was twenty two when I was with him in Denver, so that's yes. not going in my brain. It wasn't Peyton Hillis on the cover of Madden. He was. I mean Peyton Hillis He had is, that one really good year with the Browns. He was one of the freakier athletes I was ever around. Really? Yes. Peyton Hillis was six three, two forty five and could run and was quick and he was jacked. Yes. He was he was an athlete. So you have to be insanely jacked to be jacked by NFL standards. Yeah, he just was a nat- like, like an all-stot, but maybe a little bit taller in that mm. way. But same same kind of guy. I have five classics who I didn't know, but I felt obligated to say. Uh, Tony Banfield played only five seasons. Banfield, yeah. Three-time All-Pro for Houston, won two AFL titles. So that's right. back in the day, but played five years, three All-Pro. I, I want to know these ones, so maybe quiz me on these uh, ones. Bobby Boyd, 1960s All-Decade team. That's too late for me. Cornerback for the Baltimore Colts. Okay. Uh, James Hasty. James Hasty for the Jets. Damn, that was a good one. 14 years, right. Jets, Kansas City, Oakland defensive back. Yes. Joe Morrison. Joe Morrison. Running back for the Giants in the 1960s. And then Abe Woodson was a kickoff and punt returner uh, for the Niners, five-time pro bowler. And then there were three legends in my mind. Okay. One of them was Gail Sayers. Right. One of them was your man Mike Haynes. Oh, Hall of Famer, nine-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro with New England and Oakland. He was 40 with New England, and Oakland he was not. Go ahead. And then Pat Tillman. Ah, good one, too. Pat Tillman, to me, was the first 40 that came to mind. You're right. Were, Were you in the league yet? When Pat Tillman, no, 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 because that was a few years before. That was September 11th. Went right there. Right. What was the, the, you remember from Pat Tillman? Uh, I, I remember, I mean, you know, what's crazy is when I was in high school and stuff, I can remember watching Pat Tillman at Arizona State. I mean, I really can. And yeah. just going like, man, this guy's all over the place. Who is this I guy? I remember playing the, the video game NFL Fever. Right. And Pat Tillman was like a really good player in that game. And I was like, there are not a lot of safeties. There are not a lot of white safeties in the NFL. White boy supreme. Yeah, he's, he was like Eric Weddle. Dale Sayers is the guy of that group, though. I what do you play, like six, seven years? Six, seven years, was in the Hall of Fame. I mean, most the Kansas Comets, the Kansas as Comet. they called him, yes. Uh, but, yeah, it's amazing. 40s, it's so fullback dominated, not a lot of good players. NBA players, current ones, Harrison Barnes, Udonis Haslam, Boban Marjanovic, the freakishly huge guy, Glenn Robinson, the son of Glenn Robinson, Marshall Plumley. oh, yeah, a lot of white guys, Marshall right. Plumley, Cody Zeller, Tyler Zeller. Uh, and then the past... The ugliest man that ever played, Tyrone Hill from the Sixers. Kurt Thomas for your New York Knicks, yep. or I guess you're a Nets fan. Yes, I am. Bill Lambeer oh. and the Rain Man. Oh, the Rain Man was 40. Sean Kemp. No doubt. Wow. Yes. yes. He was a guy that I instantly am taken back to the 90s and how great basketball was back then. Yep. And then baseball, Bartolo Colon. Hey, Bartolo. Uh, 
So the news that came out today, uh, Tyrod Taylor is not going to be playing. He is being benched for Nathan Peterman. Yes. Uh, before we get into whether or not they should have benched him, what was your evaluation of Peterman coming out of Pittsburgh? I think I think you liked him. I did. And we were surprised he went as late as he did. Yes. I, I mean, I, I felt like he was in the conversation for the fourth best quarterback with Kaiser. I mean, remember? I think that's right. where we where we were in that discussion. So uh, I did like Peterman. He had some flashes in the preseason. He did. He's a good thrower. He's a very natural thrower. The ball comes out of his clean, hand clean all the time. And when I say that, I mean he throws very nice spirals. He's not going to wow you with arm strength. No. But has enough to... To make everything from the go preseason on the and those last few meaningful drives in that Saints blowout, he throws a very nice ten to fifteen intermediate route. No doubt, really good zip across the middle, right. good to the outside. Similar motion to a Derek Carr. That was the, what I wrote he in my looks notes. Looks like him a little bit. Motion too back is that there. way, just not as strong arm and not as good an athlete either. To talk about Tyrod, right. uh, let's get a little bit into your notes yep. on that game. Yep, you wrote for Saints Bills. Right, no one is open, and the offensive line is getting their ass whooped. Good luck, Peterman. Yes, uh, because well, I mean, come on, we've we've had this discussion a few times during the year. This is not a brilliant offense by any stretch of the imagination. This is the same crappy offense the Denver Broncos have had the last few years, and I know they won the Super Bowl with one of those years. Yes, Rick but, Dennison is yes. the name you're looking for. It's just basic West Coast bullshit. That's what it is. So why now? I don't know why now. Why pull the, Tyrod now? I, I I do know this, and I told you this earlier. I know that they're not keeping Tyrod next year. Right. I've known that for a few weeks. So they're moving on from him, and I guess they want to see what this guy has. Yeah. Now, that's the only thing I can justify it because watching the film, I don't know what's there that they think, oh, man, he really played horrible. And yeah. Uh, so to me, it's maybe just finding out what they got in Peterman so then they can figure out what they want to do in the offseason at me, the quarterback I position. I feel like the Bills are like hidden tanking. In terms of the record was good, so mm-hmm. it took away the scent. But I feel like we've been looking at moving trucks going in and out of Buffalo's house for yeah. all these weeks, and we look in their windows and we see that everything is bare. And now they're putting the for sale sign in front of the house, and we're going timeout. You're moving, right? And it's like no shit with everything they've done with Darby and Watkins and Marcel Darius and all of their moves. Um, it's been interesting to I, to see them do this evaluation. But part of your other notes about the team was I'm not sure about McDermott's player evaluation. Yeah, I've questioned it from get go. Really, I mean, actually, I questioned it the day he drafted Tre'Davious White in the first round because I did not think he was a first round corner. Um, so that concerned me. Then you get, but is this him or is this Bean? Well, I, I guess it's both. But it seems to be everything they do seems to be McDermott's decision. Yes, and McDermott's type of guys that he wants in his system. That's the one thing I keep hearing from yeah. up there. So that's where I got to think he's got major say into this. And uh, yeah, it, it it does. I mean, you know, hey, not re-signing Robert Woods, letting Sammy Watkins go. I understand you want your players and your culture. Yeah. But damn, you're just going to get rid of every talented guy on the team just for that. Well. You know, then you're gonna he's got he's gonna have a steep uphill to uh, to climb though. I applaud organizations when they do something that the public is not going to understand if it's for the betterment of the franchise. Right. If they know they're not going to sign Tyrod and they're honestly evaluating their team and they're going, look, are we five and four? Do we have a chance to make the playoffs? Sure. Do we have a chance to win the Super Bowl? They do not. No. And if they're going, you know what? 
why not get seven, six, seven weeks of Peterman to see what we really have? Because if we're being honest with ourselves, he might not be the guy either. Right. And we might need to go out and draft a quarterback. If they're being honest and going, we're not where we need to be, we need to kind of revamp everything, and these are not the guys I want, then I actually applaud them for this. There is something very emotional about Tyrod Taylor to a lot of football fans. For years, people have been saying, why not win with Tyrod? Why can't you? You tell me that you can't, but he looks really good and he plays really well. And he's like a really hot button issue for a lot of fans. But but most fans, it's all about wins or losses, and his team never seems to win. So when does that like stop? I believe he has a he has a winning record. Great. But when it comes against the good teams, it's you know, Tyrod, he might not. McDermott just might not want to have a team that's built around Tyrod. No, it, you have to build a team around Tyrod. You do. It has to be the right situation. And that's what early in the year. I mean, it looked like it was a good fit. They want to run the ball. They want to run bootlegs. Yes. And they want somebody to take care of the football. And he was doing all. And of he that. was doing that. And it really, he's has been doing that lately too. Yeah. I mean, he's not careless with the football. Not at all. It's just they can't do anything else on offense to help him. And then yeah. there's not nobody open downfield, and nobody is scared of anybody that's on the receiver on that team. No. So that's tough. Tyrod, yes, Tyrod is not your prototypical guy. You do need a special type of system for him. Listen, if Tyrod Taylor was on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I might pick them to go to the Super Bowl. It's as if you read my notes. Hello. Uh, first thing I thought of was Jacksonville Jaguars. So Tyrod is definitely going somewhere next year. Well, last point is, though, they're 5-4. and four. Okay, seven games. But, I mean, you're just I, – I don't know. To me, that's just – it's a little premature, the decision. That's all I'm saying. Like well, if, and how easy the open the AFC seems to be. The sixth seed could be a 9-7 and seven team this year. I mean, it, we're literally going in that direction. I mean, it, it, I mean, the Buffalo Bills are 5-4. and four. I expect them to lose more. And then it's Baltimore at 4-5, and five, Oakland at 4-5, and five, Miami at 4-5, and five, the Jets at 4-6. and six. Yeah. I've always said – this people go you know what make a run to the playoffs and who knows what's going to happen i get that yeah but at the same point like uh, yeah, you're right the, they're not going anywhere right even if they got in they're gonna lose in round one this and- also just for everyone's notion i am a sixers fan and that's probably why i'm supporting tanking because <laughs> i'm seeing what it's done for Embiid and simmons and i am very excited right but uh, it, it's very interesting to watch it, and and Buffalo fans, I feel bad. Are we going to talk about the rest of that game, or are you going to go back to that game? We're going to go back to it. Okay. We have the game okay. notes. Uh, Jacksonville, right? If you could choose between these three guys next year, who would you pick? Yep. Tyrod Taylor. Yep. Kirk Cousins. Right. Or Alex Smith. Ooh. If with what the Jaguars have, yeah. Alex Smith will likely be replaced by Patrick Mahomes. He has been very open. This could be his last year. Kirk Cousins could be on the move, and Tyrod clearly won't be with Buffalo. Alex Smith, Tyrod, or Kirk Cousins? I'm taking Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is still the best pocket passer of that group right there. Um, You know, maybe not as athletic as the other ones, but still athletic enough to run bootlegs and keep the backside honest. I mean, Kyle Shanahan likes him, so that tells you what he can do as, as far as like that movement stuff. It's good enough. And, yeah, I just think he's the best pure passer of the group. But Man. the mobility of Alex Smith and Tyrod with would, Leonard Fournette would certainly be a good good combo, no doubt about it. But again, it is the juiciest opening I think in in, oh, in the NFL right now. It's one of the juiciest getting, openings I can ever remember. You're getting Allen Robinson back. Uh, I know he might be a free agent, but at the same point, you're going to get him at value because right. he's hurt. I mean, some Marquise of the, Lee is a freak. Allen Hearns. Yes, they're they're well. I mean, you, you know what I said. I mean, it's 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 disrespectful how teams play Jacksonville. 
yeah. on first and second down. It's disrespectful. If they, the if Chargers I was a quarterback, had nine men in the box. Oh my gosh! Sunday. If I was the quarterback, I would literally get up to the line of scrimmage and go, "Are you guys? Are you fucking serious? You're gonna play like this? Great! Please stay there. This is awesome." Uh, John Gruden, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, real, really. That's well, I've made some calls. All right, well, then I'm going to put down my papers, and I'm going to— I just think it's a—from what I've heard from a few people that are around that organization, that it, that it is real. And it, I'll even go back into this. I heard that with the uh, hard knocks, him being around training camp, I heard that Dirk Cutter did not want him around, really. But it was— there is that clip where John Gruden walks in, and he's like, Jameis, you got this, man. And then he walks out the room, and Dirk Cutter goes, think he misses it? Well, man, he might not have to be missing it longer. Really, you're that you're feeling it. Well, I think it's a legitimate option that's on the table, and I think that was almost a ploy by the Glaziers to see if Gruden and Winston could get along and if they would gel together. They brought and, him in. He was like crying mm-hmm. and standing well, up there. And, and John's they, not going to go anywhere that doesn't have the quarterback in place. He's not going to try to get a job where he has to draft or sign a free agent quarterback. Do you? Be- well, two things. Yeah. One, do you think he likes Jameis Winston? I uh, yes, I do. And two, yes. Do you believe that him and Jameis, having worked with John Gruden, right. would work well together? I do. I do think they can make it happen. I, I mean, he if, he likes Jameis, so that's a start. Yes. I don't know if he liked me at first, so that <laughs> we had to work on that. But yes, I do think he likes Jameis. Uh, you know, you got to be careful about messing with a guy like Jameis too. He's got the ear of the locker room. He's a great leader, so that will be a power pl- play that a power the, card that he point, has. At the same point, we saw that weird eating the W. Yes, we've is... also seen Jameis's penchant of going off script, right? And you know how much Gruden loves his scripts, no doubt. I know that could be it could be scary, but but, but it sounds like from your perspective, the Glazers would a thousand percent hire him if they moved on from Cutter. It sounds like they've come around and the relationship has been mended. Why it was not mended? No, it was not. John Gruden, from everything I know, got fired in Tampa Bay because basically they came to an end-of-the-year meeting, and he had to go meet with the Glaziers, and the Glaziers questioned him about some of his quarterback evaluations and why he couldn't get along with quarterbacks and why he couldn't find a franchise quarterback. And wow. everything I know, he basically was like, well, how, you, how could you question me? Then if you don't like what I'm doing, fire me. And they, he almost like forced their hands. That, that's, that's what I wow. know of the situation. So – do you think that's a smart move for Gruden? Is this a team that it would be good for him to go back to? Well, it's a perfect scenario. They want him in Tampa. Tampa fans still love him. He lives there. He doesn't have to move his family. He has. He grew up in Tampa, mm. so this is all fits together. Man, and um, that's wild. Yeah, I do. I mean, what is Tennessee gonna do? It's cra- now well, that he, the Tennessee Volunteers. Oh, he's I been know. their guy for like well, eight years. I know. There's no way he's going to college. People no, got to get insane. over that. He would go crazy in college. Uh, wow. Uh, what percentage would you say it happens? Man, I'm going to give it like an old 75-25. Wow. Yeah, I really am. I think I think that's really got a good chance. I well, do. you know what that means. What does that mean? Sean McDonough here with Chris Sims calling <laughs> Monday Night Football. You are a rocket, and that is your next job, so that's great. Uh, one other thing I wanted to get to before we get to a little clip of uh, Greg Olson. Uh, Glazer came out and said that the uh, Jay Glazer that the Vikings wanted to play Teddy because he is their franchise, but they're going to go with Case Keenan this week. That silence is Sim staring daggers into me because he is tired of people overrating it's just Teddy such Bridgewater. Stupid shit. That's all I could say. I don't know why we're having this conversation. I don't get it. Listen, I've been negative on Case Keenum, cer- certainly, but this just is not one of the times. I watch the film every week. He's played phenomenal. 
His two losses is that first start against Pittsburgh where he didn't play that bad. His other losses in a game where the running backs fumbled, backed up in their own territory, and gave Detroit the short field. And Dalvin Cook got hurt. Right. So he's played extremely well. They're extremely good. They're 7-2. He's playing better than Teddy Bridgewater ever did. And elite quarterbacks have a hard time coming back after long times of period off. And Teddy Bridgewater is not even elite to say that. I've seen Brady and Manning. And Rodgers come back from a broken collarbone and not as be as good, right? Yeah. So I, I have two points. On I just this. don't get that, and 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 making me it's making me not want to root for Minnesota. It's you making me not want to root for Mike Zimmer. I love when you turn on teams. Uh, <laughs> two things in this. Number one, it's not like Case Keenum is Matt Castle. And I don't mean in talent. I mean in terms of attitude. Right. Case Keenum is scrappy. He is. That team likes Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. They're always surrounding with positivity. When we interviewed, when I interviewed Stefan Diggs, he loved them. So it's not like it's one guy the team loves and one guy the team's iffy on. Yeah. They love them both. The coach sounds like he's trying to divide the team. The second thing is everyone talks about Case Keenum as a journeyman. Right, And they talk about how shitty he was with the Rams last year and how awful he was as a third stringer with the Texans. Why does Jared Goff get a pass? Because he had shitty coaches last year, but Case Keenum doesn't. I th- when you said that earlier today, Lefko, that is such a good point. He it's- had the same offensive coordinator. Right. He had Jeff Fisher. Right. He had Rob Boris. It was the same stuff, but it was Case Keenum's Case Keenum. Yeah. And when you're a third stringer with the Texans, you're not ready to play. The team was crap. They didn't have a good offensive system either. I know. But he gets punished because he wasn't the first pick in the draft and you weren't expecting it. And they, you know, we, we put him in the same mold of the Matt Castles and stuff. I think Case Keenum is actually, his entire career has actually been pretty good. I he has actually performed on the stage. When you really critically yeah. look at it, yeah, no, you're right. I think he's you're actually right. been pretty good. You're right because the Rams thing you you have to take the whole team into account, and that was a horrible offense, the worst horrible. offense in football. Right. And then you talk about all the weapons they have this year. None of them were there yes, last year. That's exactly right. And the offensive line wasn't that good. He's got a better arm than Teddy Bridgewater. He would beat Teddy Bridgewater in a forty. Um. Now, listen, again, this is not an indictment on Teddy Bridgewater. Nope. Very happy that he's back. Very it's amazing. Happy. It's nothing against that. We're just being realistic football evaluators. Yes, exactly right. I don't understand what they're doing, and it, it really almost looks like Mike Zimmer's trying to divide his football team. Uh, one quick note I had. I saw this video of this guy proposing, this soldier proposing to a woman at a stadium, at yeah, an arena, right. and I looked at her face, and she was not happy about it. I sent that clip to my girlfriend, and she said, why do men do this? Why do they make it about themselves? And because that's what it is. You're walking through the stadium, the arena afterwards. Everyone's going, yo, bro, way to go. And he's like, how cool. He, in his own mind, he's like, how cool would it be if I did it in a football stadium? Everyone's cheering right. you on. Right. You feel like an athlete. Right. You get video of it later of you doing it, all that stuff. And I thought about it. And at first I was like, you know what, man? It's not about you. But if there's ever going to be a moment in that entire process. Now, I'm not married, so I need your advice. Wouldn't that be the moment when you are putting yourself at the mercy of another person, you are getting on one knee and saying, please accept me, the wedding planning, the wedding itself, all of the stuff afterwards, it all goes to the, to the, to the person that you're proposing to. Right. You are actually in that moment at the most risk. Shouldn't that be your moment? 
Well, like, why not get an entire stadium of people to applaud you for for getting down on one knee at the mercy of someone else and getting that? Just something I thought about. Yeah, I get you. You're you know, right. because after that moment, you have no more say. No, you don't. Your life's over. You get married. <laughs> you get married. Life's over. You get kids, then you're really screwed. Well, that's when it really changes. <laughs> but but what do you think? Like, I mean, why, I, why I not hear be- you. The man is putting himself out there. He is showing his vulnerability. Exactly. Right. That's for why his love for the girl. You're not going to know who these people are do you know who offset and cardi b are no wow so offset is in the migos do you know who they are rap group group, and then cardi b has like the number one rap song in the mer bloody shoes now you don't know that i don't know i'd have to hear it he proposed to her but he didn't get on a knee he squatted oh and my girlfriend was like well he didn't actually get on the knee now i'm just telling everybody i am not going to do the arena proposal i didn't get on a knee either I know you uh, just, you just threw kinda... the box at her and said, "Let's uh, go." So the Greg Olson story. Uh, I was actually interviewing him. I'm so disappointed I wasn't here for that. Five minutes after the story happened, and here is the audio of me asking him yeah. about it. And right before this, I get a Bleacher Report alert that says Vikings unhappy. Panthers tight end Greg Olson is part of Fox's Sunday broadcast team for the game. Why? Because you're playing him in Week 14, and Rick Spielman is upset that you're going to get inside information, Greg. I didn't realize that you on TV is the equivalent of you being a spy. Yeah, I think the whole thing's really gotten blown out of proportion. Uh, at no time was I ever <laughs> any of the so-called production meetings that we all know. Of course, we never expected them, and I never wanted to put myself at their facility in the meetings with their coaches and players like most broadcasters do in preparation for the game. You know, That was right. something we knew um, I wasn't going to you know, have access to, and we never in a million years even thought that was it. So the notion that me sitting in the booth is is, is somehow a competitive advantage when I'm going to watch that film 100 exactly. times. Exactly. All right, so you hear mine, I say exactly, yeah. and he's saying there's no I competitive advantage. I don't disagree advantage. with all that. I mean, and, it's okay. But you do think it's a competitive advantage. Well, I do, and I just don't think it's right. And and I want to preface this first. I really like Greg Olson. He's going to be amazing at doing TV he stuff is. in general. So. It's not about that. And I understand him wanting to even do this. I'm just saying, to me, it is a little unethical. It is. And I know he's not trying to infringe on that. So I I don't don't know. He's saying it wasn't my purpose. But you're saying even if you're not, that's not your purpose. Like, what could he glean from Uh, doing this? Well, first of all, of course, we know NFL organizations and teams. They they don't want outsiders around them in general, let alone – a guy that plays tight end for a team they're literally fighting for like home field advantage with. Yeah, Carolina, Minnesota, and the Rams and are the Rams, three of the five Eagles teams the going Saints. for those spots. Right, yes. exactly right. So you, that is going to be troubling to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, even if he doesn't go to the producer meetings and things like that, you know he's going to be standing next to Charles Davis and Kevin Burkhart, who have been in those meetings, going to have notes, going to have little tidbits about both teams yes. that – they're going to know to frame their story, but they're not going to say they know those facts. You know what I mean? So they might know, you know, hey, the right tackle is a little banged up, or we've been trying to hide our left guard because we don't think he's good at this block. And, and it then might Charles be your, Davis won't actually say that. He won't say it, but, but it was, then, he yeah, might say, say. He might be like, you know, they've been having sh- troubles uh, with this left guard all year, so they've been doing these things. You know why they do this? Because it makes it easier on them, whatever it may be. But they're not going to openly say coaches, coaches are worried told about me left guard. That the left guard. Right. So I'm just giving you an example. I don't know exactly yeah, what those specifics would be. Also, they could say things like, you know, we've been playing this coverage because 
this guy's not good in this coverage, so we're doing mm. this because we're protecting him. Now, yeah, has your just dad because told you're you... watching film yes. of this team coming up doesn't mean that, oh, Carolina watches the film and knows everything right away. It's called misevaluations. It goes on all the time. Or not being able to evaluate your opponent correctly. So that is where so I go. So when you hear it from the horse's mouth that they're not just playing. They might all of a sudden go, you know what? Well, let me pay a little more closer attention to this left guard. Damn me. Oh, damn. Let's just run they stunts only do over run him right. the whole time. Or whatever it is. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So that would be the concern. And I and I know like Greg Olson's not going to look at this stuff. But speaking of personal experience, Mike Shanahan did not let my father go to the 1998 AFC Championship game practice on Friday or Saturday before because they were playing Bill Parcells in the New York Jets, and he locked my dad out of the practice and said, you know what, we're closing it from the practice. But it was because of my dad, and he was afraid that my dad was going to go tell Bill Parcells. And and Mike Shanahan and Phil Simms are friends. Very good friends. But at that point, they knew each other just on a kind of a topical level. Gotcha. And dad had only been out of football for four or five years, and of course Parcells was his coach, so he you're worried about, about a, any possible anything, you know. Maybe he's going to go meet with Bill on Saturday night and let something out by accident. You don't How know what it may be. Information do announcers get it, before a game that they don't actually say? Uh, it depends on the coach and, and the, the relationship. relationship. The, the the information you can get the best out of being an announcer is by going to practice on a Friday, and it's usually it's it's like third down and red zone stuff. So you get a feel mm. for what they're trying to do in the red zone. And you go, ooh, okay, they got this little wrinkle in down in the 15-yard th- th- line. those are the important plays. Those are the important plays. Exactly right. So that's how you really learn a lot from practice. Or I'll hear Gruden do this where it's like like uh, the, the running back, oh, this could be a pass here. They've been, I saw them working on this in practice right. or something like that. Right, exactly right. So like those little plays. Exactly. So those little things. What if they're practicing a play? Coaches also put in plays weeks before sometimes, right? They want to go, I want to be able to practice this play for four or five weeks before I actually call it in a game because I don't want our guys just going out there for the first time ever and be like, hey, it's the biggest third down of the game. I know you never ran this all year, so let's go do it now. Yeah. Coaches are neurotic, so they want to be like, well, we practiced this 25 times before I actually call it in a game. And you put in plays for maybe down the road a few weeks before, and you might practice them on Wednesday or Thursday to get better for them. Maybe or they're saving them for the Carolina game because they know that's coming up. So there's little really nuances like that. that. And I and again, Greg Olson's awesome. And he went to my rival high school. I've known him since I was a little kid. Yep. His dad is a legend in high school coaching. His dad is the guy in, you know, what the hell? Lean on me. Lean on me. Yes. You know when they fire the black coach when he flips the desk on Mr. Clark? Okay. And he's like, fuck you, Joe Clark. Yeah. And then they make the white guy the head coach. That's Greg Olson's dad. His in dad, real life? In real life. That's him. Well, he, it's funny because Greg Olson actually brought that up. I and, heard. Uh, he was upset you weren't at the uh, the interview. Still on Sunday Night Football. And the key is, is if you... right now. Is he dodging me because we beat him in high school? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's incredible. By the way, you can curse on this podcast. Sims is at home studying film right now. You beat him in high school. What was the score? What were the teams? At Sims, me, so, Chris... Went to Ramapo High School. Of course. Went to Wayne Hills High School in North Jersey. And let me tell you, he was the biggest star New Jersey has ever seen in their oh life. Oh, my gosh. Football. And he rolled in his senior year. I wasn't on the team. I was in eighth grade. <laughs> my dad was the coach. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So 
Just make sure you don't bring it up like live on air where he gets all flustered. Oh, no, 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 no. That is literally my job is to try and catch him off guard all of the time. Yeah, I, mean, he, he, I know he was the number one player coming. All right, so I'm going to save that. that yeah. The rest of the interview will be at the end of the podcast. But he just kind of talked about how you guys came in. There was like 15,000 people there, yeah. and it was this game. Uh, and then I, and then obviously, so you guys, your high school beat him his senior year. So, yes. Yeah, That's so really fun. It really, it, well, we were really – Two out of the three best public schools in New Jersey. It was us, Wayne Hills, and Hoboken. And we could, at that time, before the Catholic schools in Jersey just took over the world, we could play with those teams and beat them, too. And yeah, he came from a high school that was, I mean, they were stacked. Big, big fuckers all over the yeah. field. And yes, my senior year, they beat us uh, when we were like the number three team in the country. Man. But they were better than us. But uh, my junior year, we beat them. My sophomore year, we beat them. But I did come back. I think I was in college my senior year in college maybe rookie year in the nfl i came back for the state championship game his last game ever was state championship whoa wayne hills ramapo and ramapo beat him so i know i wish i could have talked crap to that him. would have been fun but yeah check that interview out at the end of the podcast it was good we talked about i hope he's not mad at me no, 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 no. He was fucking. No, right. no. I mean, even like, because like on, you know, even on pro football talk today, I just said I think he should like recuse himself from the situation. Uh, he you might think be that's mad about make that. Him? No, well, I hope. Well, look, if he wants to be in the media, which he clearly wants to be in it, right. then he needs to know that nothing is personal. Yes. You know, that's the thing that I think people yeah, need to learn. it's nothing about him. It's just no. my opinion on the situation. No, the thing is, is if he was here, we'd grab some tequila, we'd hang out and yeah. chill, yeah. and then we'd go, yo, you realize, though, that you would learn a lot of shit that in week 14 when you're playing the when they're playing the Vikings, you might be able to use. Yeah, and, and more than not anything, it's just he's making them feel uncomfortable. That's the biggest that's thing. That's pretty good, though. Th- that's really what it is. Let's go right to your game notes. Let's go. And we'll finish Saints-Bills first. You're so first. cute. You're a little, you're a little sweater well, today. I thought we were going to dinner tonight. What an idiot. Three and weeks early. It's like four weeks early. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I gotta wear a nice sweater and some pants that fit my legs appropriately. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the Saints Bills game. You wrote Saints offensive line best in the NFL? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> and you added, Andrews Pete is in the conversation for best guard in the NFL. He kills people. He kills people. So this is a draft prediction by you that the first year didn't look good oh. and now is looking really good because he's found his natural position. He did. He but has. talk about the line as a whole. Their too. line, well when they have, when they're healthy and they can go Teron Armstead at left, left tackle and then have Pete and Unger and then Warford, Warford and then Ramzacek, their other first rounder from this past and year. And the position that he should be playing. Exactly. It's just, it's a phenomenal offense line and I would argue that you know, I'm just looking at teams right now. And Dallas, you can't say it after what we saw this I past weekend. I don't think Dallas is playing Oakland, at the level. Oakland, Philadelphia. I don't think I can either. Philadelphia's in that conversation. Pittsburgh's in that conversation. Pittsburgh's always in that conversation. Tennessee's solid, but I don't think they're up to that level. You're not a big fan of their guards. Not right Washington, now. when they're all healthy, is good. Very much in that conversation. And I'll but tell you, you another like, one that's underrated okay. is Minnesota's O-line. I mean, I never said Minnesota moved Washington in that game. You but were, yeah, yeah. I, you know, as we're sitting here doing this, if you, I think they're the best offensive line in the game. You right know what now. I like about the Saints' offensive line? They're all like real stocky, like aggressive pushers. They're not just like get back on their heels and pass protect. No, they're not. And this is they're not what we've seen. Kickers. They are all ass yes. kickers. Armstead is like the lightest one of the bunch, and he's a left tackle. Jimmy Graham is catching a lot of touchdowns right now. Yeah. But would you say who won that trade, Unger or Graham? Wow, they both got a lot what they want, but 
Mm, man, that's, I mean, man, it was a seat. really good even trade. It, it really was. I don't know if I could even give it an honest. But, man, that center position. It's it's vital this it's day and age in the NFL. It is, end. and he's still one of the better centers in all of football. But I, I honestly, I'm going to say that. It's the best O-line in football right now. It mm. really is. They've overtaken the Cowboys. They're right up there. They're just a little bit better than you guys, too. Yeah. I mean, they impose their will. Every time Ingram touches the ball, it's six. Every time Kamara touches the ball, it's ten. Yes. The lanes are wide open. I've never seen Drew Brees with this much time before. No. And it's the reason that they've gotten this good. It is. It's amazing. Shout but, out to Mickey Loomis. Yeah, Building exactly a fucking right. line. He and is. a D-line. Yes. I thought for me... Uh, we've already been saying the Saints are real all year, yeah. but to do what they did in Buffalo, yes. then it's like, oh, they're they're better than what I thought. Yeah. Like I thought they were like good top top eight, top seven. They're they're definitely top five. Their their game translates to if we have to go on the road in NFC playoffs, no matter where it is, yeah. watch out. They can catch up to you and yes. put up points. Right. They can be ahead of you and run the ball. Right. They are. It might, they might be the scariest team other than the Eagles in the NFL. I, I would agree. They're number three in my power rankings. Cowboys-Falcons, speaking yeah. of offensive lines. Right. You wrote, even Zach Martin is getting whooped by Poe for a sack. When you went back and watched the film, you know what was it like to see the left tackle and how bad was it? It was horrible from the get-go. I mean, from the get-go. Uh, and I, I can't even lie. I mean, I'm shocked by it, too, because I've liked when Chaz Green has filled in the past. So I, I'm going to say that myself. But I'm also just l- also shocked by there was no plan B. Mm. Like, like they just expected him to shut down. Yeah, them. your boy Lombardi was calling out the clapper. That's what he calls him, That's the clapper? That's what he calls uh, Jason Garrett, yeah. <laughs> That's mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Jason Garrett. But, yeah, I, do, I don't understand it. I don't understand kind of the approach altogether. The Cowboys' offense and offensive line altogether was completely flustered and outmatched by the speed of Atlanta. It really got to them. Yeah, you wrote the Falcons are showing the Dallas pass game no respect, and no one cares about Des Bryant. Nobody. In his face, one inch from him, jam him, sit on the short routes. Offered and Trufant. They weren't scared of Des Bryant for for nothing. They didn't mm. care if he want you want to run a go route. Fine, I'll still catch you. Yeah. Uh, yes, they showed the Dallas pass game zero respect in the first half, especially once they got to a seventeen seven lead. They backed off yeah. a little bit, but uh, yes, they, that was a legit butt whooping by the Falcons. How much day. of that was no Tyron Smith, and how much of that was no Zeke, and how much was just a combination? I think it's a little. It's all of it. Certainly. I, I think the thing, Tyrone Smith, of course, hasn't been healthy, but he would have been better than that. Yeah. Uh, Zeke is a game changer because he forces a defense's hands, and you can't overlook the fact that when there's no hole, Zeke still gets two or three he and does. keeps you in second and seven. Mm. That's a big thing between second and seven and second and ten or eleven. Uh, so there's something to say about that. The other thing that jumped out from that game, we always see Dak do a good job third and five, scrambles for ten yards to get the first down. Atlanta was just too fast, and mm-hmm. he wasn't able to do that. Either Vic Beasley or Campbell or Deion Jones, as soon as he broke the top pocket, they were all over him, and those games we've seen for eight or nine ended up being one- or two-yard gains. So that's kind of what we saw with Cam Newton. If a team has good linebackers, they're not going to be able to get on the run. No. But Dak played the Chiefs, and the Chiefs really don't have great linebackers. They do not. Exactly right. And the Eagles have some speed. Dallas might have to start thinking about some designed quarterback runs, a la Cam Newton. You also wrote, if I'm playing the Cowboys, I'm attacking Jalen Smith. Oh, yeah. I, I feel bad talking about it because— It's like Teddy. 
where you're I, like happy that he's like resurrected his leg. Yeah. But at the same point, you're like, dude, we need to be honest. Oh. You can't go east to west. It's worse than Teddy, too, because Jalen Smith was a slam dunk top five pick and like. You know how excited I was when I watched film of Jalen Smith. He was explosive. Yes. I mean, he just killed people in college. He was so fun to watch. I was blown away when we had to study him. And he's just a shell of that person, and he is. He's a weak link. He's a liability. He is a true liability. You can't expect him to cover. What can he do well? Not a lot. I mean, if he if he has to hit you and you're square up, I mean, he'll hit you. That's for sure, man. But it's it does not look good. I I would be if I'm them. I'm playing Hitchens and the kid 57 Wilson as my two nickel linebackers. We'll see if they adjust yeah. against the Eagles. Yeah. Vikings, uh, Vikings, Washington. Vikings, Minnesota. Well, I don't like to write uh, oh, Washington's logo, so I then I you. forgot and messed up. Right. Um, You've seen more interceptions and pick sixes on the stick concept uh, this year. Yeah. What does that mean? So the stick route, first of all, is something New England would never do. They don't run the play. It's a basically like a five-yard out by the tight end, let's say, right? And then there's going to be a receiver or a running back that comes out of the backfield that goes into the flat at like two yards. And it's a three-step drop concept that can be a very hard read, and you have to make a quick decision on getting the ball out. Because you're trying to stress out, what, the linebacker, the linebacker to make a decision between the tight end and the right, running back? Right, or maybe a down safety, right, who's playing zone, and he's supposed but to But if you to... misread it, it could be pick city. Exactly right. And we I've seen it all year long, whether uh, I've seen golf throw a pick on it. I saw uh, our man Hoyer in the 49er Ram game, first play of the game, same type of thing. Right. It's such a bam-bam play. And the, the Patriots would never run it. The risk reward for a four yard gain is uh. just stupid. And I and I, it, I I'm amazed at how many teams run it over and over and over. And I'm gonna go, oh, you just dodged a bullet. Holy cow. The other thing you saw in this game that we see over and over, Washington went for it twice on fourth down and didn't convert. Did and it? they probably could have kicked field goals and they lost by eight. I know. You kick one of them, you're it's a little closer. Yeah, it is. It could have been a different game. I mean it, again, yeah, and then you know you just gotta take into account, yeah, they kick the field goal, they make it, they kick it, they kick it off. The Vikings might be stuck down in their own territory. Yeah. Instead of these scenarios, they took over at the forty and the thirty five. And you haven't seen anyone whoop the Washington defense like Minnesota did. Was that injuries or scheme? They were healthy. Washington? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, they had everybody in there. Yeah. That was an ass whooping. It was 60 plays for over 400 yards, 6.8 yards per play. Per yeah. play. That's amazing. The holes were gigantic. Case Keenum threw the ball phenomenal. People were open. And when they weren't, he did a great you job. Like their line. Their line has been kicking butt lately. It really has. Minnesota. Well, they're the number nine, again, number are, nine ranked offense in football. Minnesota, to me, is the most disrespected team in the NFL. I agree. When I talk with people, they say, ooh, the Saints scary. Got to be worried about the Rams offense. Of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. And no one ever brings up the Vikings. The Vikings are scary, man. And the Vikings are playing the Rams this week. That yes. game is going to be so fucking it good. Is. I have a hard time thinking the Rams can beat them. Really? Yeah, I do. Good to know for the pick segment. <laughs> Packers-Bears. Uh, drop by Inman could have been huge. That was the first thing I told you. At the end of the game, Trubisky made a yeah. great throw, yep. and Inman could have ran for 40 yards. He could have scored for a touchdown. It's going to be him one-on-one -on -one with the backside safety at full speed. Uh, let's get to some quarterback evaluation. Yeah. Hunley was good. Arm is live. Release is quick. Offense got into groove. Right. Are you? Is Hunley growing on you? Well, his skills are there. It's the offense that's the problem. It's right? always so, been. Yeah, right. It's, just, it's hard to evaluate. 
evaluate because I want to go, yeah, he does some good things and he makes some good throws, but he also hasn't played enough to overcome the boringness and simpleness of the offense like a Rodgers who just goes, you know, he can make it happen and he's so comfortable and everything else. So, uh Yes, I, I like what I see from Brett Hundley. Is it perfect? No. Um, but his physical ability is there, and they need to start doing, again, just more. And they have to design more. I think they're going to start designing some of those college Andy Reid bullshit plays mm. around him because he is fast, too. You also wrote Trubisky can really throw it, and Ooh. you underlined that four times. Yeah, Trubisky's got some arm. I mean, when you watch it on film, the ball pops out of his hand. I mean, he throws you know out routes and you know in cuts where I just just go, wow, I mean, you can barely see the ball on the screen. It's it's effortless for him. All right, so there's potential there. Yeah, there is. You also said my man Josh Jones has become one of the focal points of the Packers defense. He's he's their guy. I mean, he's their he's Mr. Do-It-All. NC State? NC State. You know, he was the freak of nature who was, I think he ran like 4-4-1 or 4-3-9 right. at like 220 so pounds. So it's him and HaHa Clinton-Dix? Him and HaHa Clinton-Dix. That's a pretty athletic safety And then duo. when they go three safeties, he gets in the box – and haha, and this kid number thirty-five, who I can't remember his name. He's a he's a rookie. Um, but yes, Jones is playing the key position in that defense. I mean, Interesting. He's, he's being that he's 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 a freak athlete. Uh, Jaguars, Chargers, and then we're going to start getting to the MVP and the celebrations before we get to the fans of the day. Bortles throwing it like shit. Fournette not a hundred percent. Bortles was. Bortles. Bortles like. was beyond Bortles. I mean, it just, again. What worse I, than typical Bortles. Well, it just, yes, it was. It was worse than typical Bortles. The ball was all over the place. He had one of those games where he didn't really want to throw it. He wanted somewhere to run and get away. But, like, their pass rush is so good and they were all over him that he had to throw it. But he had one of those games where, you know, I always say, like, he'd throw the ball and as the ball's in the air, he's hop, skipping in a jump because he doesn't know where it's going to go. And, it's like when you're oh, bowling and you're right. trying to keep oh, it in I the lane. Oh, I in the center. Oh, God, I missed. Uh, you wrote, Bosa and Ingram are unfucking real They're unreal. And we have a comment from Farva underscore Husey. Actually, he DM'd me on the Instagram, hit up Sims and Lefko or Adam Lefko. He wrote, Bosa and Ingram nickname because Bosa is such a bro. Call them the Brogram. <laughs> I kind of like so, that. Bro, Bosa bro- and Ingram, the Brogram. The Brogram. I like it. I'll I call them that. I will too. All right. It's instituted. The but Brogram. They are, uh, yeah, they're legit. It's, uh, you know, again, and we're going to get them together for Fournette like three, is not four 100% more years. with that knee. I yeah. can tell with some of his cuts, especially when he played at wide receiver a little bit and had to run r- routes out of the backfield. He was like rounding things Very off. Very much so. And man, again, just like we said early in the podcast, it, it's just it's disrespectful the way people play defense against Jacksonville. Speaking of Chargers defense, Denzel Perryman back is huge, Holy you wrote. Great shit. east to west and great tackler. Holy. He shit. was that impactful. Yes, I just was not expecting him to be all over the place in his first game yeah, back. Yeah, you said that on our pick show. You're like, I don't I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. Gosh. I mean, he was amazing. He's one of the He's one of the few people I've seen in football this year a few times just go in and get clean shots on Fournette and take him down like Maybe right it's because he wasn't 100%. Well, that did help. Right. Uh, speaking of the Jaguars' defense, Marcel, D- Marcel Darius is just okay. Where did his legs go? Yeah, I don't like the way his body looks. It's not like it's horrible, but he used to have a little more hamstring and quad on him. Now it's kind of just gut and ass. 
So I like a little more leg to go with like that. Like Malik ass. Jackson two seasons ago. Yeah, I want a little more of that. And he's uh, he wasn't bad in the game, but he wasn't great either. He he did make some disruption. The other thing that scared me though, he was on the ground a bunch of times too. And you know what I say about guys on the ground? You end up getting your own players hurt, or you trip your own guys to where they can't get to their gap. This is the one that I found interesting because I was watching during the game. Right. I kept looking up and seeing what they were doing with Eckler. And I was like, man, they're get, having success on this wheel route, flat, whatever it is. And you wrote, Chargers used flat and crossers well. That's how you attack this scheme. Right. Did the Chargers give us a little Jaguars beater blueprint? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's something we've seen like New England do the Seattle, right? Those kind of things. That, uh, that, yes, if you have the right offense and pieces and you really know how to run those type of plays – you can stress them out with shallow crossers, flat stuff, things like that, because they try to pass it off, and it's just hard to do. And that's why you say they need to run more man-to-man. I do. I think they could splash in a hair more man-to-man. Now, even saying that, I mean, they held the Chargers. They still played amazing defense. Yeah, for sure. And Eckler had a break like three tackles on both yeah. of his touchdowns. But if they're playing a New England or right. a Kansas City or right. a Pittsburgh, right. expect some flat crosser concepts. Yes. Now, I don't think Kansas City has enough offense to take advantage of it. You're, if you run the same concept doing it all the time, they're good at what they do, and they'll get a feel for it. But if you give them same looks with those different, those same kind of concepts, right. the, the, illusion, uh, the, the illusion of complexity, yes. as, as Gruden used to say to us, then that's where it could get dicey. All right, let us get into the MVP board. Last week, Russell Wilson was number three uh, after, uh, what did he do two weeks ago? Uh, that wasn't the Cardinal game. Well, it was the Redskin game that he Washington lost. Washington game, right. but he was still unbelievable. Right. Two, Tom Brady, uh, and then for the third straight week, Carson Wentz was your MVP. MVP! Heading into after week 10, so the game's last week, number three on the Chris Sims MVP board. It hasn't changed. Russell Wilson's number three. Tom Brady's number two. Carson, Carson Wentz's number one. one. God damn it. <laughs> Do the drum roll again, though. I like it. <laughs> yes. And number Ooh. two. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Russell Wilson had the incredible throw to Doug Baldwin to keep that game alive. It's truly just him versus it's 11 guys. like you guys. said. What did you, call, what did you say? It's like a fire drill and a guy, what he is He is it? evacuating a home and getting all of his belongings, and then every seven seconds going, hold on, i got to paint this. I, exactly right. I mean, I think that's a great way to explain it. It's just a fucking disaster, and then he makes it look good all of a sudden. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, Being you, a person. You were there. Yeah. I mean, Fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, Brady, like I've been saying, he throws it better now than when I worked there in 2012. Every I ball that few, came out of his hand. I had a few people tweet me yep. and go, you're telling me that this guy at 40, we're supposed to believe that there's no funny business going on and that other quarterbacks that are not in the league anymore are going, oh, yeah, he changes his mechanics and it's all better. I, I get that. I totally get he's that, and I've juicing. had ex-coaches or ex-quarterbacks and ex-people go, he's got to be on something, and of course I have friends that play in football or and did play in football. My dad being one of them, he thinks that most of the league is on HGH. I don't agree with that. No, I think Brady has taken care of his body. Uh, I think Brady has not been beat up at all in his career. I mean, Brady's, Brady, you can count on yeah, your hand. the one ACL tear. Right, and you can count on your hand the number of games Brady's been beat up in general. The Broncos AFC Championship right. game. Right. The two Super years Bowls ago. against the Giants. Yep. I mean, it's very it's very rare. I mean, he gets hit this year and we're all going, he's getting beat up, and I want to be like, man, there's a lot of other quarterbacks that have been hit more and sacked more than Brady, but because yeah. we're not used to even seeing him get hit. Yeah. So that 
taking care of his body, you know, and adjusting your throwing motion is a big thing. I mean, if Peyton Manning had adjusted his crap motion, mm-hmm. he probably could still be playing too. So you don't lose arm strength at 40. I mean, Nolan Ryan was throwing no hitters at 45, okay? So you can still be a great thrower. It's just can the rest of your body hold up, and it seems like it. Let us do the celebration rankings. Current leaders, individual Golden Tate's People's Elbow has been number one now for... For the single. Like five weeks for individual. Right. And team, the Steelers bench press edged out the Kansas City potato sack race. I've been paying attention to this now since... Uh, Good. Yeah. We only have one for individual this week. I went potato sack race over the bench no. press. No, I didn't. You went bench press over say. potato sack right. race. Uh, first one, and it's the only individual, is the Chester Rogers dance. Touchdown! All right, Chester Rogers goes out there and does this dance where he's, I don't know what it is, but there's kicking. Oh, you know what it is? That is an actual, that's a historical black college fraternity. It's the, uh, it's not Omega, right? Yeah, I believe it is. That's Omega. Uh, That versus Golden Tate's People's Elbow. The People's Elbow. Okay, so that stays. Now, team-wise, the winners is Steelers bench press. The Steelers are back. It is first one. Uh, we are going to do the Vikings leapfrog. This they score good. over Washington. Adam Thielen gets down. The rest of the receivers get down, and they do the leapfrog over. Did you like that one? I liked it a lot. Next one up, Steelers are back. Juju Smith-Schuster and Le'Veon Bell reenact the Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Green fight. I liked it. Taking a shot at a division rival. Yep. Next, we have the Stefan Diggs Jumps onto the pole. Uh, he does the Antonio Brown. He flies, then hits the pole, and then slides down. And then gets a 15-yard penalty. Because you can't do that. You can't do that. And then one that is not from the NFL, Ooh. the CFL. Oh, I saw this already. Where they score, and they get out there, and they call over, and they take the receiver, and they make him a limbo pole, and then they do a limbo underneath. First question, is that eligible? No. Okay. Sorry, CFL. What is your feeling about the CFL? Chris Berman used to talk about the Grey Cup yeah. all the time. Uh, I, it's a great place for guys to go and continue their career. I would never go. I could never do it. Why? I just, I, you know, I dreamed of the NFL, and when that dream was over, I couldn't lower my expectations to the CFL. That's no disrespect, because my brother even thinks about going to play there. I just couldn't do it. He needs to do something. Yeah. I'd like to see him play football. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, pole jump, Vikings leapfrog, Juju Le'Veon mocking Ramsey and A.G. Green. Who wins this week? Gosh, the leapfrog thing wins this week. Okay. I really like the leapfrog now, thing. Now, leapfrog versus Steelers bench press. I'm still going to go with the Steelers, Steelers bench press. Steelers bench press. What is your, your love? It's the meathead aspect it's of it? It's the meathead aspect. It's like It's such a combine thing. The fact that they had somebody get on all fours and Le'Veon laid on him like a bench press, and then we had spotters there. I like the team, the team camaraderiness around the it. Steelers Everybody have in. been the Steelers and Lions to me have had the two best. And you know what? The Vikings, the Vikings, I feel like are just doing what children do. They did duck, duck, goose. Right now they're doing leapfrog. Right. You know, I, I want one team to have a staple. To like where it pisses people off, like how how Zeke does this, you know, like feed me, feed me, feed me, and defenses hate it. So when they start tackling them, they do it. 
Well, I want a team to be obnoxious and have like one celebration that they like. You know, back in the old days when like the Redskins used to jump up and do the high five, high five, like something like that, because that's what's going to piss defenses off. Steelers have been the best though. They have hide and seek. Le'Veon's cool. You could tell Juju's cool. Antonio Brown is right. They're cool peeps over there. Mike T's cool. Mark Martavis Bryant not getting involved. A random stat about these Steelers. This is from Joe Rudder on Twitter. Steelers are one of just five teams to not have a 30-point game this year. Wow. The other four are the Giants, the Browns, the Bears, and the Chargers. Wow. Those teams are combined 7-29. and 29. That's interesting. And yet the Steelers continue to have lines that are like 10 or 11 points, and I keep betting on them hey. for no reason. Well, uh, listen, they're, they're, they're good. There's no doubt about it. Their offense still is not even clicking. But, man, when they had to turn up the heat in that Colts game, their defense, good night. Oh, that Ryan Chazier pick. I mean, they're great. just the, as soon as it was like, oh, you know, they kind of slept walk, and I understand it. it's bye week. They had to play the Colts. They they felt like they were going to win, so you don't play yeah. your best. It's just the way it is. We had only one submission for in their prime, the new game show that we're playing. So give us two awesome players in the history of the NFL, and we are going to break down who was better in their prime. This one is from Darian Chavez. What's up, Darian? Charles Woodson Ooh. or Prime Time Deion Ooh. Sanders. Wood is Wood is a all time great. I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, but there's nobody better in their prime than Dion Primetime Sanders. I mean, nobody. I mean, he was as shut down as shut down gets. Uh, he's the greatest corner to ever play football. Period. And teams would literally just avoid him altogether for, I would say, gosh, from 1991 to. 1997, nobody even wanted to throw at Deion Sanders. Woodson, I mean, when you take in the whole, yes. what he did at Michigan, and then also uh, Corners, switching to safety. Safety, yeah. exactly right. I mean, phenomenal football player. Woodson was amazing. And really but, probably would have even been more amazing if he didn't have that toe injury at the end of the Raiders and career. And didn't play at the shitty part of the Raiders. Exactly. So that was tough. But still, Dion is, Dion is arguably the fastest guy in the history of the NFL. I mean, he, he is. We have two Bleach Report alerts before we keep going. Speaking of the Cowboys, Hello. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott officially withdraws appeal and will serve the full six-game suspension. Wow. It's over. Yeah. You didn't think it was going to happen. I did not. I thought it would get pushed off to the offseason. Uh, but, man, I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know about them. I know they play your Eagles this week. And now, listen, their D-line, their D whooped up on Atlanta. It really did. Atlanta just made some plays because they got some talent and they got a decent little system. Yeah. But man, their D line is a force. But if their D line doesn't get it done, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm saying the Eagles are really good at negating that. Exactly right. Uh, and then Arians with a great quote here, talking about why Blaine Gabbert has a bad rap, and he said, "Well, he was on really shitty teams." Yes, I. You love Blaine Gabbert every preseason. I do. Well, he's got great skill. I do say that, and he has been on shit teams. I mean, let's let's be real about that. He was on the shitty Jaguars. Yeah. And he was on the shitty 49ers. So, man, if Drew Stanton has relative success. Well, I mean, if he could just like just be like an average quarterback last Thursday, they're going to beat the Seattle Seahawks. There's yeah. people open and he's missing them high and miss he Gabbert's a better thrower than Stanton, for sure. Uh, let us go. We have a lot of different ones I've gotten from Instagram and Twitter, and then we're going to get to the iTunes reviews. Uh, just some first notes. Uh, first, shout-out to Kawakaba 
Kawakaboro, who sent me the picture of the JFK newspapers that you had liked. I appreciate that. He did work for the CIA. You're right. Uh, Paul Kessler from Germany said that it is Dr. Mueller Wolfhart is the best sports doctor in the world. He's the one that worked on Kobe, Usain Bolt, and a lot of soccer stars. Yes. And his name is Wolfhart. And, uh, you know, it, and people have curious. heard this like lately, like Andrew Luck. Everybody, like, you know, I've heard people in the, oh, he must be over there doing something illegal. No. It's just called they're advanced. They're ahead of us, like I make fun of all the time. They don't use just ice and stem over there. Uh, Jernzin says, my daughter is two and has those animal books that makes noises or animals. I would like one where Sims does all of the animal noises. <laughs> Hashtag business idea. <laughs> I like it. You think you would do that? Can, you think Bleacher Report would come out with a book, Chris Sims Animal Noises? Chris Sims Animal Noises. <laughs> uh, Willie Joe For Real said, make sure to tell Sims Lefko that Goff's pass to Woods actually broke Phil's record of longest touchdown on third and 30 plus. Is that right? Do you remember a play in which your dad did that? Third and thirty plus. Yeah. Well, I know that was so. I don't. I never know that about my dad's record. I think he's talking about the Denver Broncos, the year my dad beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl, and the regular season that year they had a third and thirty against the Broncos. Really? And he converted it on the game-winning drive to win the game, like That's a deep funny. pass down the middle. It wasn't a screens behind the line of scrimmage don't count. Sorry. Yeah, Phil Sims didn't. Phil throw Sims did it the old-fashioned way. Uh. Brancho Cucamonga, Sims was flexing holding that mic the entire NBC broadcast, doing what it takes on the national stage. <laughs> Hashtag beans, not beef. Were you flexing? Not at all. You weren't out there showing a little no, gun? No, not at all. I mean, the, the suit's tight. I don't know. I mean, suit was, was tight. It was. Well, I had a sweater underneath. But no, I got a little gun power. got a little gun power. Yeah, people don't here. realize. They see you and you're a little bit bigger than they think. Uh, Sweet Rebellion on iTunes. Sims and Lefko have changed the way I digest sports news. It's not just news, but real analysis. They always help me see things from a different perspective. Keep up the great work. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this one is from Clarison or at Cytaz. You guys are the best. I love when Bill Big Phil joins the show. Uh, I don't listen to many podcasts. You're actually the only podcast I listen to. Thank you guys so much. Sorry, Big Phil wasn't here. Yeah, man. Uh, Big fucker. That's what uh, we call him. R. Zoolander. Been listening to the podcast for about a year. The three of you make a great team. Um I love the addition of Phil. I, the episode where Chris's mom answered the phone was priceless, and it provoked two questions from me. Chris, growing up, did your mom want you to play football? Yes, she did. I mean, she didn't like go like, Christopher, you're playing football, but she certainly never said don't play it. Uh, it was a different era. We didn't know about it was CT. A yeah. It was definitely a different era. And then second question, when you had that serious injury, how bad was that for her? Uh, yeah, it was... It was rough on my whole family, and I, yeah, the most my wife and my mom probably. I mean, you know, as you know, I almost died, so <laughs> it was uh, it was a weird time in my life, certainly. But uh, yeah, they were there for the support. I, you know, I know my mom. I don't think she. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what to say. I know she got on a plane right away as yeah. soon as she knew. I want to give a special shout out to uh, Zachary Ryan, uh, who was somebody former soldier that hit us up and said thank you so much. We spoke a lot about mental health and and I just want to say Zach, thank you so much for listening, dude. You're the fucking man. Appreciate it, Zach. And to anyone out there that whether you're having a tough time, no matter what it is, if we're helping at all, look, you guys are motivating us just as much as as we help you guys out. So thank you for sending your notes because it you know makes. Feel like we're actually doing something other than fucking around with each other and, and talking shit. No doubt. Uh, 
Uh, we have a lot of different ones about different teams. Let's do some quarterback comments here. Okay. The Jack Farr. Apparently, we inspired him to do a soccer podcast, so kick some ass. I think he's out in the UK. Cool. How many teams will have a new start starting quarterback next year? And he brought up Arizona, New Orleans, the Giants, the Chargers, and the Steelers. Those are all with aging quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, I, I think... And now it sounds like Buffalo will have a new quarterback as well. Yes. Uh, I think Arizona will have a new one. For sure. So there, there's one. I don't think New Orleans is going to be. I mean, New Orleans is. They're a playoff team. That they're not going to abandon that situation with Breeze will be interesting. Yes, they're not going to abandon that anyways at this point. He's still playing good enough to where they're going. They can win the Super Bowl and the team. He's not going to want to leave town now. He went through all the struggles and right. now they're good. So he's not going to want to leave this. You know, Washington could possibly see. We we don't know what's going to happen there. So there's Arizona, Washington, uh, the Giants. Yes. Um, well, the Giants, we don't know yet either. I, hmm. I don't know what to say about the Giants. If you made me bet money, I'd say the Giants give Eli Manning one more year. Wow. I, I, why? I do. I, I don't know why either. Cleveland, I still think you're going to see another quarterback. I've seen enough to know Kaiser's not the answer going forward, at least in my eyes. The Chargers, did we say the Chargers? That is one there. I just think, yes. It's time. I do think it's time, and I think it would be interesting. Like Maybe the Chargers end up. You know, maybe Rivers ends up going to like Jacksonville next year. There's something like that. I could truly see that. Another happening. guy for Jacksonville. Yeah, right. And that'll uh, be the fun, most fun thing to see is watching. Cincinnati. Yep. Jets. What are the Miami Dolphins going to do? So there's Tannehill. Yes, there's a number of teams there. All right, rank these quarterbacks for Giles 1994. Wentz, Goff. Mariota, Winston, Trubisky, Watson, Prescott, Bortles, Carr. I'm just going to hand you Oh, yeah, you thank the, you. Here we go. Right, those, those. This one right here. Okay. All right. So, whew. All right. It's, who's one? Wentz is one to me. Okay. Who's two? Whew. I want to make Watson two really just out of like, if I just, you asked me who's the most talented guy there. But it's like we didn't see a lot. But I'm I'm just gonna go with the guys that I think are most talented I, and who are the best. Wentz number one. Watson. Watson number two. I'm gonna go Carr then Prescott. Derek Carr. Wow. Then Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's okay. close though. I almost thought about. I'm I'm really only giving it to Carr because Carr's had to carry the team on his shoulders gotcha. and he's done it. So I'm gonna go with him there. But that's very close. Wentz, Watson, Carr, Prescott. I mean, man, I don't even know how I'm going to – my rankings, like, I really like Trubisky's skill set. He excites me more than the other guys on this list, but he hasn't done enough yet to me put him there. Yeah. So after that, I'm going to go – I'm – man, I'm going to go Winston, Mariota, Trubisky, Bortles. Okay. Is that all right? Feel good about it? I do. I mean – you know, it's hard for me to justify it's hard the guys to put who Trubisky, haven't, yeah, yeah, right, who haven't played a lot. Like Trubisky has the talent and looks like he's on the trajectory to be in that top three or four of that group right there. Leo San Giorgio from Brazil. Why do game broadcasters never say that a scheme is bad, but we have to listen to podcasts to hear about bad coaches? That, that, are they afraid? They are afraid, and they're afraid because they got to go meet these guys and talk to them, and that's why just listen to me. That's why I don't even give a shit about the coaches. I got my friends, and the ones who are 
confident and secure in their coaching ability, they don't care when I say that was a bad game plan or whatever because mm. the most times they agree. He added, by the way, Sims is fucking crazy to think that the U.S. would have the best soccer teams if athletes played. Odell and Tyreek wouldn't be on the same planet as Nomar or Coutinho. Oh, my gosh. They would beat him running backwards. Isaac 2432 in Australia. How do I watch Solomon Thomas and Buckner to see if they're playing well? What do I look for? Yeah, I, I mean, the big thing is you know, they do a lot of movement up front, so it's hard at times. But, uh, again, disruption in the back field especially in that that scheme because how often are they getting in the yeah, backfield just how long are they getting back there and you can just tell like oh he got back there and they made the running back run a wrong way or they made the quarterback have to shuffle out of the way those are good plays by a defensive if player if a defensive lineman is playing 50 snaps a game right what is good for you in terms of getting in the backfield oh what percentage gosh if you were 50 snaps a game and you got in the backfield 5 times a game you're you're a good player. Really? Yeah, to just be able to bust in the backfield. That's why like when I watched Jadevi on Clowney and go, Holy shit, it's the first quarter and he's gone in the backfield five times already. Yeah. I'm like, You're fucking amazing. Uh, RTL. And watch for double teams in the run game. Is he holding his ground when they run the balls and they're running at his area? Is he getting moved out of the way? That would be the other thing yeah, to watch how for. how much is he getting moved in right. the running game? Right. Okay, that's a good one. RTL underscore boss. Why did Sims leave the Patriots organization in 2013? Yeah, uh, simple. Um, it's a lot to coach in the NFL. I had two young kids that were, you know, seven and three or eight and four at the time. And... I was my I was stressing out every day that I was missing them grow up. I mean, I went basically seven months without seeing them uh, once the season started, and it ate away at me. Then I got offered another job in the NFL, and I did you? I did. Yep. And I Where? came home. I can't tell you that. And I NFC came home. Or AFC. AFC. And AFC. I came home and I told my wife, and she was like, "What? We're gonna move again?" She goes, I don't know if I signed up for this. And I was like, I know. I don't know if I signed up for this either. And that started to make me reevaluate. Like, I want to do media. Yeah, I just knew that I wanted to be around my family. That's what yeah. I knew more than anything. Liam Swag won. Sims, uh, can you talk about your breakfast eating habits? What time, what food do you work out before work? I think this guy's trying to yeah. steal your mojo. Okay, yeah. I don't so work do out eat? a lot what this you, time of the year. What do you eat for breakfast? Uh, when I get up in the morning, it's either bran flakes uh, like today, okay. I did the show, the PFT show in the morning. I got. Did you home. eat beforehand? No, I just did. Some, did you drink coffee? I did a coffee, one large, like a true cup of coffee with a shot of espresso in it. And you don't eat anything. I don't eat anything. I got home at like nine oh five, nine fifteen. I had a bowl of bran flakes. What kind of milk? Uh, whole milk, always. Don't eat anything but it. Whole milk. <laughs> Not almond milk. Never. No, I can't do it. So you do like dairy. I, I do. I do a little dairy, mm. certainly, yes. And, and I do a little meat at times. Like, you know, I don't do anything just totally foolproof. Bran flakes? But bran flakes, uh, my wife makes me my Ezekiel bread with butter and raspberry jelly on it. She puts that in a little paper bag, and I put my Orgain protein shakes in the bag with it. Yep. And then when I get on the train, I eat the the toast and jelly and chug a Orgain after it. All right. And then uh, do you work out before work? Never. I mean, you know, the the problem is, if I guess if I wasn't an ex-meathead, I would, but my whole life has been waking up and working out. So now that I don't play football, I enjoy it. When I have a Saturday off or whatever, I get up. I have maybe just the bran flakes. Yeah. I have a good strong cup of coffee, and then I go hit it hard. How many days do you go to the gym now? Gosh, I in season and out of season. Well, with Notre Dame weeks, I sometimes don't get there at all. What about out of season? Out of season, I would say I get there two to three days a week. 
Morg Strander 9. I'm 21, yep. and I'm a visually impaired football lover. Do you know of any players that played with horrible vision or less invasive disabilities? Well, Derek Coleman, fullback that was on the Seahawks, he was actually deaf. Uh, the right. other name that came to mind was Tom Dempsey, who didn't have any toes yes. and was one of the greatest kickers of all time right. for the Saints. But do you know of any players that had impairments, whether it was vision, hearing, anything like Man, that? Man, some guys do have some really bad eyes. Now, but you can't tell anymore because of like the context. But like, think like the great special teams guy in New England, Matthew Slater. Uh, he's got glasses that are three inches thick. Really? Yes, but he wears contacts during the game, and you wouldn't know. So there are some some definite cases of bad sight uh, and vision. Yeah. Other than that, I can't think of anything else that I've been with. BMAC3142. I don't know why OBJ doesn't get enough credit for what he does for the Giants. Why can't people separate on the field and off the field? I, I don't know either. And and again, I'll I'll say this too. What has he done so bad that's off the field? He went to Miami in a day off. I know that's not the best look in the world, but it isn't Facebook Live from the locker room. Yeah. It isn't throwing a Gatorade thing all over your sideline. It's not, you know, cheap shotting another D back and bringing him to the ground and throwing seven punches. So everybody blows everything Odell Beckham Jr. does out of the wall. I mean, out of proportion. And he is the best receiver in football, period. I mean, are we seeing now that the Giants are nothing without him on offense? Nothing. Got a lot of Rams stuff here. Mr. Bethke, yeah. as I'm watching Rams Texans, I couldn't help but think of you guys ripping Eric Dickerson on how the Rams should start Mannion over Goff. He should do stand-up. He's ridiculous. Yes, I mean, ridiculous. And that was at a point when he hadn't even seen practice in like a year. Like, uh, just ridiculous. Luke Heaton, 93. Do you think Goff, the Rams D, or Keenum, know tendencies about each other and will mention them in meetings for this matchup, especially Goff and Keenum since they were always together? Well, no, it's too hard because... Because, first of all, Keenum, it's a whole new team and staff there. So there's no more tendencies that he's going to know, right? It's not the same defensive scheme. It's not the same offensive scheme. You know, so there's not going to be much. Uh, he might be able to tell a few little nuances if he knew something about Jared Goff. And same with Jared Goff. I got Keenum. Like, oh, he doesn't like throwing the out route to the left or whatever it may be. But, no, very minimal. It, you know, again, it's 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 a new team and it's like – Completely new organization with the Rams. Uh, comment from Born and Raised 406. I know it's two weeks away, but is Rams Eagles a possible preview of the NFC Championship game? You know, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I, the Eagles, I, I'm willing to say that. I, I have to see more with the Rams first. You know, the Rams are good. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I look at uh, the teams that are seven wins. You like the Saints and Vikings a lot more. And the Carolina Panthers. Yes. Yes. They, wait, what's the record? Seven and three. Oh, I didn't yes. Uh, I like. I know. I will say. I think they're the worst seven-win team out there. I don't. Right. I wouldn't take them over Pittsburgh or New England. I don't think in a one-game matchup. Now they're playing a little bit better than a Pittsburgh right now. Uh, so I've had them higher in my yeah. power rankings. But let me just read this real quick as I just do this. Like the Rams. This is what scares me about the Rams. Okay, just real quick. The, their wins. They've got some quality wins. Don't get me wrong. But this is where I'm interested this week. Minnesota's defense is for real. When they played the Seattle Seahawks, the Rams lost. And they lost because of Jared Goff. I, I, and I'm not trying and to be a hater. their offense was not great against Jacksonville either. He threw over 124 yards against Jacksonville. Against the Seahawks, he was 22 of 47 for 288 and two interceptions. So who are the defenses they're facing? 
So coming he's, up, he's got he's going to have to play Minnesota. Minnesota. He's got Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Both really good defenses. Yeah, so that's going to be scary. He's going to have to play the Seahawks up in Seattle at some point. Right. Uh, and here we go. And then other than that, it should be – oh, he's got the Saints too. So he's going to have to – Damn, so you're telling me that three of the next four weeks we're going to learn about the Rams. We are. They play the Vikings, the Saints, off, they play somebody else, and then the Eagles. Yes. Wow. Yes. All right, we're going to learn a so lot. We are. We are going to learn. Uh, speaking of defenses, uh, Shadoon, Belichick is a defensive coach, but where would you guys rank him amongst offensive minds if you went to coach that side of the ball? Yeah, that's a really – who said that? Who is this? S-H-A-D-D-O-U-N-E. Shadoon. Ah, Shadoon, that's a good question. He is – he would be one of the best offensive coordinators in football. He's one wow. of the only coaches in the history of football that literally can coach both sides of the field. The system they have in place is very Belichick-based. He is the one that got them into the short passing game and said, let's start throwing the ball with the way these rules are now and doing that. So he is extremely intelligent. He is the basis of that New England system. Yeah. And then Josh McDaniels took it to another level. But, yes, if, if he just had to dedicate himself to being an offensive coordinator, I have no doubts that he'd be one of the best in the league. Let's go rapid fire. Yeah. Tommy Hone, should the Giants consult OBJ about potential coaching change absolutely not um <laughs> don't do that you know again they're players you got to do what you think is best for the organization i do think the maras will figure this out you know the guy i think josh mcdaniels will be the guy i'm going after if i'm the new york giants he is right on their mold he's been of course the new england organization very similar i'm gonna throw out another name too just guys that I know that I've been with that I think are really good coaches. Rich Passaccia, he is oh the special teams coordinator for the, for the Cowboys. Cowboys. He is phenomenal. He's one of the best coaches I've been around. He understands the complete game and he understands how to manage games, which is a lost art in football. Optimistic Browns fans, common as Lefko for president. What did you guys think of Josh Gordon running a four three five forty? Josh Gordon is. One of the freakiest players. Oh, ever. my gosh. The first time I saw Josh Gordon in person at Browns practice, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy is a receiver? Speaking of Browns fan, the best podcast, period. You guys changed the way I watch the game. Do you guys think Kaiser can be a guy and we could maybe win a few this year, or should we just cut our losses and draft one of the top guys? I, You know my thought. I just don't see it with Kaiser. I really don't. I don't think he is a good enough thrower of the football in general and I haven't seen enough of an improvement to think it's going to change. It's the same motion, and there's still throws every week that I watch that I go, ooh, that's just – it's erratic. It's all over the place. Speaking of Notre Dame, Frank Barra. What up? I have been a listener since episode one. I've been following Sims since Ramapo High and Greg Toll. Thanks, Frank I Barra. I have a Notre Dame question for you. Sure. You've been around the program, Chris. Yeah. I'm curious of your assessment of the program after that tough loss Saturday. I'm especially interested in your evaluation of your fellow Jersey boy, Brandon Winbush. Yeah. P.S. Any chance I will get the podcast released overnight instead of 6 a.m.? I'll talk to Josh. But I'm curious, what do you think of Winbush and the program as a whole? Yeah, Notre Dame is run like an NFL organization. I would have a hard time thinking there's any college that runs a tighter ship and is more detailed than Notre Dame, except for maybe Nick Saban in Alabama. But it is it is like a professionally run organization, extremely impressive. Winbush, hey, you got you saw the game, man. Uh, he's got to work on his throwing of the football, plain and simple. But he does have talent, and when he tucks the ball and runs, uh, he can run like a running back. I was disappointed with Notre Dame's game plan in the game altogether. Just to say that they ran sideline to sideline. They came out trying to be pass heavy. I don't think they played to their strength of 
let's run the ball downhill and up the middle. It took them too long to get that, and the game was out of hand. Uh, CTJ4321, the Mush versus Roseman. I'm still waiting for Lefko to punch Roseman after drafting Barnett in the first. His freak out during the draft was amazing. Uh, question is, the 49ers roster has been decimated by injuries. Do you blame the training staff or just a freak thing? I think it's a freak thing in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I don't know if, you know, I haven't talked to Kyle about those type of things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, listen, they got young players. They're not good in certain positions. And that's what happens when you're young and you're overwhelmed in certain positions. That's when crazy shit happens and people get hurt. LYFSGD, amazing. Uh, honestly, stopped. Oh, I love this podcast. Uh, Patriots, they still give up yards but aren't giving up touchdowns. What do they do specifically in the red zone that's stopping other teams from scoring? Well, the red zone, if you play it the right way, well, it's their breakdowns more than anything. And and this is what does that mean? Well, uh, like like I've always said to you, they're willing to let you go from twenties to twenties because Bill's going to play the numbers, and he might see, man, when they get to the fifty, they get in this formation, they have some plays here that I can't play this defense because they have this one play that might go for a fifty-yard touchdown. So I'll play real conservative defense and. Gosh, if they get five or eight yards, then I'll live with it. Okay, so they bend from that standpoint because they're just not going to let you have the big play. And then when they get in the red zone, of course, tendencies continue to shrink in the red zones where offenses are limited in what they can do. And if you're not ultra creative, it's easy to kind of – I don't want to say easy, but you can certainly figure it out, take some – take some staples of what they do away, and most teams lack creativity in the red zone. They really do. And New England is by far the most creative on offense in the red zone. That's why Brady scores touchdowns and yeah. the other teams kick field goals. You lo- they always do the route where the guy runs the back of the end zone and then cuts back. They have so many different ways yeah. of doing things. They have like five staple plays that they have perfected for red zone for reasons that are, I'm not even going to tell everybody why they do them, because, but I know. Why? Uh, because I'm not going to give up all their secrets. I, I'm going they keep them. You tell me after the show. Yeah, I will tell you after the show. Right, good. But, Sorry, guys. But they're and just as the year goes on and Bill's studying, he finds more and more tendencies in the red zone. It just goes into his hands because he's the smarter coach and he's the smarter game planner. And I think it goes overlooked in New England in general. We talk about the team always. Yeah. What we don't talk about is their coaches outcompete the other coaches seven days a week, three sixty-five. Yeah, their GM freaking takes snaps under center at. at Throwing footballs to workout guys. Yes. Uh, Topper sticks. Three quick ones. Are the Rams one of the best second half teams in the NFL in terms of how they play, like coming out in the second half of games? Yeah, they they certainly are. They're in that. They are in that discussion. Yes. Todd Gurley, legitimate top three running back. (sighs) Yeah, I do think so. Right now, with like a David Johnson being out, I would say he is. Yes. Yes, he is. He is definitely a top three running back. And thoughts on Alex Ogletree being the second highest paid middle linebacker? Well, Ogletree, I think, is perfect for that defense. What they want to do, right? He's a great mix of what a Wade Phillips wants, where he can really hit and bring it and be a thumper. But his athletic ability is special in the middle of that defense. He is a talent that is worthy of that. Uh, this is the last one. Cream fourteen Raider fucking nation. Love yeah. my Raiders. Hate my coaching staff. Do you think the Raiders defense would benefit more if we use Mac as a three-four outside linebacker instead of a four-three end? And who would make the best coach? For us going forward on offense. Oh, gosh. 
Uh, okay, so I, it doesn't really matter with Khalil. At the end of the day, you want him to rush the passer. He can do both 3-4 outside linebacker or 4-3 defense end. But at the end of the day, you're still going to want him to rush the passer. And even if he's a 3-4 guy, okay, they're still going to get in some four-down fronts on third down yeah. to rush him. So it'll end up being a DN. So that doesn't matter as much to me. Offensively, as far as guys to look at, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody out there. I mean, hey, some of these coaches on the Rams, uh, LaFleur, the quarterback coach there, he's going to be in the conversation. I'm really afraid of people po- trying to poach John Filippo from the Eagles this year yeah. and and Frank Reich. Yeah. Because th- there's, there's, there's three offensive minds on that staff, and yes. I know that two of them could be gone. Uh, and and I then do, also the guy from Kansas City is interesting. I think uh, the, a lot of Nagy. people, but the kid that got, the guy that came from college, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's any other young up-and-comers out there. But, uh, I you know, listen, their offense certainly is not perfect. It's been a little bit better as of late. Uh, they'll be interested to see what they can do against the Patriots. Uh, in a little bit, as in right now. Interview with Greg Olson. We touched on a lot of things. The other best tight ends of the NFL. What it's like in the locker room right now. Cam versus Thomas Davis and a little game of pig in the locker room. It's good stuff. So stay tuned for that. And we will be doing our pick show. And that comes out Friday, as always, where Sims took a bath Ooh. yet again. But Man. it's really close in the pick, so it should be good. Go home. Get some rest. Yeah. I am not going to go to dinner with you tonight because apparently I don't know fucking schedules. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to figure out what we're doing. We will get our pick show in for next week before Thanksgiving so you guys have all of our picks. So you'll make sure that you have all that. Uh, for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say good evening and good night. And I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Got to so many freaking questions today. Woo. I cleaned out the barrel. And it feels good. We'll be talking to you guys soon. Left go. Love you guys. We're out. It is time. We have one of the best tight ends in the NFL. His name is Greg Olson. And what he does off the field is just as impressive as what he does on. Greg, welcome to the Simpson Left Go podcast, my brother. How you feeling today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Always a lot better when you, you know, watch the guys win a big one on Monday night. Dude. Go into the bye week on a good note. They whooped that ass. The offense is clicking. Cam is running. The defense is just continuously pounding people. I've been trying to explain to everybody all year it's the best defense in the NFL. I know it sucks you're not out there, but what was it like to watch that beat down? It's great. That's about, that's about what you look for. Um, you know, offensively, to put up the numbers we did and 45 points and almost 300 yards rushing and mm. um, that's about as good as you get, especially you know that was a, you know top ten defense as far as rush defense and whatnot. So that was you know that was a great challenge for us and a and a prime time spot. You know, a good opportunity for us to show you know show everybody around the league and show everybody around the country you know what what we're capable of when we play well. And as you said, our defense is kind of that's been the story of their year. They they've really played well consistently throughout since the beginning. So it was uh, it was probably our best complimentary game we've played both sides. You know, playing at a high level and. I think the results kind of speak for itself. Yeah, I mean, Brad Barry, your linebackers, the D-line, everybody's killing it. The reason we have Greg today, just like we had Von Miller a few weeks ago, Microsoft's Create Change program. Greg, you're always up there for one of the NFL men of the year, and what you're doing off the field is is awesome, especially with this hardest yard. Uh, Share with everybody what you're working on now, what you're trying to do, and how Microsoft is helping. So, yeah, so five years ago, um, my wife and I had a son, TJ, who was born with 
uh, a real complex congenital heart disease. He um, a heart defect. He's undergone a series of open heart surgeries and pacemaker procedures and whatnot. So, in the in the midst of of dealing with his uh, health issues, we saw a huge need in in the care for these children at such a critical time and. Um, we, we founded the Hardest Yard, and we provide uh, free in-home medical care, therapies, and, and any other sort of treatments that, that are needed for these children to develop and, and to continue to grow and thrive um, as they prepare for, for life down the road, whether that's another procedure or operation or whatever the case may be. And uh, five years later, um, you know, to be able to work with a group like Microsoft and, and, and the Surface, to what we do is we send nurses into the home. So in the past, before we teamed up with Microsoft, these nurses as my wife and I did, would just hand keep journals of all the vital information Man. to keep track of the health of these children. And uh, now with the technology Microsoft, uh, you know, kind of provides us and the platform to use it, we can enter all of this and in real time upload it immediately to the systems at the, at the hospital and the cardiologist office. And they can really keep a closer eye of what's going on with these children at home. And uh, it's really been a game changer for our foundation. It's really taken us to another level. And uh, it's been just an incredible, it's become an incredible program that has really uh, become a big part of, of our community and, and the healthcare program here in Levine Children's Hospital. That's awesome. It's it's using your platform correctly. And I know it's funny, I'm 31, Sims is 37, you're 32. We're not old guys, but when it comes to football, you're old. And now I know you're looking at broadcasting, you're going to be on Fox. And right before this, I get a Bleacher Report alert that says, Vikings unhappy, Panthers tight end Greg Olson is part of Fox's Sunday broadcast team for the game. Why? Because you're playing them in Week 14, and Rick Spielman is upset that you're going to get inside information. Greg, I didn't realize that you on TV is the equivalent of you being a spy. Yeah, I think the whole thing's really gotten blown out of proportion. Uh, At no time was I ever (laughs) any of the so-called production meetings that we all know, of course, we never expected them, and I never wanted to put myself at their facility in the meetings with their coaches and players like most broadcasters do in preparation for the game. You know, that was right. something we knew um, I wasn't going to you know, have access to, and we never in a million years even thought that was it. So the notion that me sitting in the booth is, is, is somehow a competitive advantage when I'm going to watch that film a hundred exactly. times a couple of weeks. People don't realize you're going to see everything on tape. The eye in the sky don't lie. And I don't understand that a coach looking at you and saying, Greg, we really want to move the ball on offense and stop them on defense. Oh, well, you know what? The Vikings are screwed in week 14 then. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's, it's such a hyper-competitive league. Yeah. The margin for error is so small. Listen, I, I get it. I, I've been around the league a long time. I, I, I know how the league works and and I think that's why from the beginning we were very upfront about saying by no means are we looking to attend meetings, practice, mm-hmm. or any of those other kind of normal processes of preparing for a game. You know, I'll sit all that out. and Come Sunday, I'll sit up in that warm booth and pass judgment on other people. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I, Look, you <laughs> – uh, I, I saw you during the Combine on NFL Network. Uh, you're going to be doing this with Fox. Uh, you're clearly positioning yourself for this. I'm curious – uh, Bleacher Report, we're always trying to do different stuff. Barstool, what they did with Pat McAfee, and I know you're really tight with those guys. And here at, at Sims and Lefko, we love what they're doing, pardon my take, and all that stuff. I'm curious, what is your view of the broadcasting industry right now? Because when you first got in, you know, it was still Boomer, and it was still Highlights, and it was all that. As you look at, like, kind of that now, what does TV and all that look to you from your perspective getting covered? 
Yeah, I think it's become, you know, I guess, you know, probably not the best way to classify it, but it's become very fragmented. You know, when I first came in the league, you had your local beat writers, you had the, the hard paper, you know, newspapers in your area, you had the national publications, and then you had the television stuff. You know, there was, there was the intro of obviously there was website-based, web, you know, web-based materials, but now between uh, podcasts and the web-based stuff and streaming and, uh, you know, the, the alternative ways to, to receive the information from your traditional networks and cable, now you have, you know, the Amazons and the Twitters and kind of those, those companies entering into the space. It's, it's become very complicated, and I think that's what everyone's trying to wrap their head around with the whole NFL rating situation is, it's, you know, it's not the days of the Nielsen where you just figured out how many TVs are on. There's so many ways to get information and, 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 and watch games these days, and um, I think that we're going through a little bit of a transition right now, but I think it's exciting. I think there's a lot of ways to have a voice in the sports world. I think there's a lot of ways to have a platform, and, um, you know, you guys do it on a daily basis, and you know, between radio and TV, and it's it's really an exciting time. I think once everyone kind of lets the dust settle and see where it all falls. Yeah, and the number one thing is honesty. I mean, that's Sims was just on Sunday Night Football, and the key is is if Where you is Sims right now is he dodging me because we beat him in high school. Shut the fuck up. That's incredible. By the way, you can curse on this podcast. Sims is at home studying film right now. You beat him in high school. What was the score? What were the teams? At Sims, me so Chris. Went to Ramapo High School. Of course. Went to Wayne Hills High School in North Jersey. And let me tell you, he was the biggest star New Jersey has ever seen in their oh life. Oh, my gosh. Football. And he rolled in his senior year. I wasn't on the team. I was in eighth grade. <laughs> but my dad was the coach. Oh, wow. So just make sure you don't bring it up like live on air where he gets all flustered. Oh, no, 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 no. That is literally my job is to try and catch him off guard all of the time. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I know he was the number one player coming out of a high school and he went to Texas. Wow. So, so you were probably at home with your dad game planning for Chris. I was on the sideline. I was the ball boy. I was an eighth grade ball boy. My older brother, my older brother was a freshman. My dad was the head coach. And I remember there was fifteen thousand people at our high school to watch him play. Wow, that's awesome. He was a, he was a big deal, man. What and you know what he still thinks he is. What a Don't clown. bring up what happened the years before because I think they beat us every single year prior to that. But we hang our hat that we beat him his senior year. That's awesome. So from high school, you go to the U, and now the U is back. And I'm always fascinated. I used to work with John Vilma all the time. The alumni base for Miami. I've never seen a relationship with the alumni and the team where the alumni is like this older brother, where it's like you do what I did and you do it better. And now with the turnover chain, man, they're freaking do it. How exciting is it? For, for just alumni of the U? It is. I haven't been that excited to watch a game as a fan in a long time. And, uh, you know, that's the Miami that I remember committing to. That's the Miami I remember going to as a freshman. And, and to see them get back to that um, all these years later is, is awesome. I actually saw the guy, AJ, who made the, the turnover chain. He happened to be at our game last that's night. Awesome. So he was riding. He was riding high. It's uh, The whole thing is just incredible. And you can't say enough about what Mark Rick has done and what he's done for that program in just two years. It's It's been awesome. Yeah, and you know what? For the longest time, Miami was, was tight end you. Shockey, Kellen Winslow, yourself, and it's kind of crazy. Look at it now, dude. You, you're the best out of all of them. And I look in the NFL, and I feel like there's always three names that get mentioned for best tight end. It's Gronk, it's Kelsey, and it's you. And I'm curious, what are what are some things that Kelsey and Gronk do that you really respect? 
Yeah, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find guys that have done it better. Um, you know, obviously Gronk has, you know, his production, you know, you know, obviously his catches and his yards have been good, but his ability in the red zone, you know, the way they use him, his, you know, his ability to accumulate touchdowns, pretty much at a historic pace. Yeah. Um, they, they just do a great job. He's big. He, he just his great way of finding space and and you know utilizing that big body within that offense. And you know, I think Kelsey. You know, he's kind of plays tight end a little bit different. You know, he's kind of a unique athlete. They use him on a lot of like, you know, they hand, they lined him up at quarterback this year for a short yardage play where he did like a ride option type thing. And, uh, you know, they throw him smoke screens. They throw him bubble screens. They give him shovel passes. Uh, he's, he's kind of a unique guy with his ability to run and change direction. So, you know, those, those are two guys I, I've gotten to know well. I have a lot of respect for them, you know, as in, you know, as with a lot of other guys throughout the league and, you know they've been uh, they've been fun to kind of you know challenge myself as I've gotten older to kind of keep up with those young guys. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the funny thing too is in terms of competition, you have Davis and Keekley in camp and in practice, and I always think about the tight end linebacker matchup sort of like as a basketball matchup. Like I know I, I'm not quick, and if I'm facing quick guys on the court, I'm in trouble. Who are linebackers in that that kind of tight end linebacker matchup that you know it's going to be an all dog fight for the entire game? Yeah, I mean practice and training camp and stuff. You know that's about as hard as it gets. You know there's there's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of space in there. If you're going to get open, uh, you know against our guys with, with with Thomas and and Luke, you're going to have to earn it. So that's great preparation for the year. Um, you know Minnesota, they're a team. Oh sure. You know, it was hard. There's not a lot of space against those guys. You know, we played Seattle a lot. There's not a lot of space. You know, it seems like sometimes they got 13 guys on the field. Um, you know, it's hard. There's a lot of those, some of those tough defenses that have a lot of guys around the ball and, and, and talented secondary with talented linebackers who can run. You know, they they, they can make life difficult. So it's uh, you know, it's there's there's a lot of them out there. I've pretty much faced them all. So. No doubt. I heard uh, Gruden was talking last night, and he might be one of your your future coworkers. Well, so I could see you on TV anywhere at this point. But he was talking about how the the discussion between Cam and Ron Rivera, and how Cam said, "You got to let me loose. You got to let me run, and all this stuff." I don't know if we've ever seen an athlete at the quarter posi- quarterback position at the level of Cam, and I'm just curious, you know. There was so much swagger two years ago in the Super Bowl and that whole run, and his ability to run really stresses out a defense. Now that you guys have the bye, where do you think he's at with his willingness to run the ball and kind of challenge defenses and how comfortable he is not only taking hits but also laying hits? Yeah, I think when he's rolling with the ball in his hand as a runner, uh, it just adds an entire different dimension to our offense. and. You know, it's hard to prepare for. It's, it's hard to game plan for. You just don't see it a lot. You know, it's, it's a, you know, you don't see it a lot at our level. So, when when he's healthy and he's rolling and he, you know, he's running like he was last night. I uh, just, I can only imagine the fits it gives these defenses in their preparation all week. Um, so, I, I think those multiple looks, the multiple ball carriers, the change, the misdirection, and I think you add, you start layering all those things. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of the offense that we've been able to build. Um, you know, back in the Super Bowl run, and and now hopefully these last couple of weeks continue. So, you know, those layers to our offense are what we're what we're shooting for. And um, you know, last night was a great, was kind of a great example of that. All right, I'm gonna start wrapping it up. I know that I've seen a lot of videos in your locker room. Did you guys still do the horse competition or the pig competition? Yeah, we, do pig. 
We do pig, not quite as many shots. Yeah, so who's who's the best at pig right now in Carolina Panthers? I think our reigning champ I think last year the championship was between Thomas Davis and Cam. I think Cam has won it one year. I think Thomas has won it one year. I don't know who won it this year. I don't even know if they finished it, to be honest with you. I know that you guys have a great locker room, though. I mean, you have the guys you just mentioned. There's a lot of personalities. Uh, Sims always talks about how the D-line ran the locker room for the Bucks when it was Sapp and Simeon Race and all that. Who's, who's controlling the music in the locker room for the Panthers? Yeah, we, we don't really have one position group. You know, at times Cam and sometimes some of the D-line. And yeah, it kind of alternates. There's not really like that one dominant position group. You know, when I was in Chicago, our offensive line kind of ran the show. But, yeah. You know, here it's, a, you know, kind of a couple guys at different positions. It's kind of a, a group effort more so than one one specific position. We also talk a lot about how different positions have different mindsets. And we talk about, you know, the cockiness of a cornerback or how defensive linemen think they're cornerbacks. Do you identify more with the wide receivers or the offensive line? I would I'd say, you know, kind of like the position, a combination of both. You know, every morning I start my day in the offensive line. When everyone else is in special teams, I go meet with the offensive line to do the run game install and the pass protection install. So, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time with those guys, and that's a big part of what we're asked to do. But, you know, as far as the, the route running and, you know, having confidence and, and, you know, the ability to go out and get open and, and create separation and, and do all those things, you know, you do have to have a little bit of that that self-confidence and that, you know, that attitude of, hey, I can get open versus anybody. If they throw it, I'll get it. You know, there's so – you know, I think that humbleness of an offensive lineman and kind of that little more cocky nature of a of a wide receiver. I think tight ends, you know, which makes sense based on the position, are kind of a, a good compromise. I think, you know, guys that tend to go one way or another maybe don't have necessarily the you know the the game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I tend to find a find myself in the middle of that. He is a blend, not just of positions, but also a man that understands what he's doing on the field and the platform off. Make sure you check out what he's doing with Microsoft's Create Change program and what he's honestly been doing for five years now, Hardest Yard, helping families with children with congenital heart disease. Greg, you're the man, and I am 100% going to rub that loss into Sims just profusely on the next episode of the podcast. I'm very excited. Thank you for that. All right. I like that. Thanks. Awesome. Have a good one, brother. Good to be on. See ya.